continuing our series this morning. This is actually our last week in this series, so we're going to wrap it up this morning. But we have been calling it A Day with God. And over the last couple of weeks, we have been looking at the most ordinary moments of our day and trying to discern where God is at work in the midst of those moments. And I've been convinced, especially through this series, but it's kind of why I wanted us to have this conversation together over a couple of weeks in the summer, is that there is no task too routine or too small to not in some way reflect God's glory or God's work or God's presence in our lives. So what that's looked like over the course of this series, the first week we looked at the moment that we woke up, the next week we looked at when we brush our teeth, hopefully every morning, we looked at maybe the moment that we're trying to get out of the door and we realize that we don't know where our keys are and our morning screeches to a halt. We talked about the dreaded moment that we find ourselves sitting in traffic and stuck just watching the day waste away. We even looked at the moment that we might eat leftovers for lunch on a Wednesday afternoon. I'm telling you all the most ordinary moments of our day. And today, this morning, we're going to try to wrap all of that up as we look at the moment that we crawl into bed after a long day in search of some rest. But before we do, I want us to read our scripture for this morning. We are in the gospel of Mark. We're in chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 35 through 41. That day when evening came, he, Jesus, said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall or a great windstorm came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Don't you care if we perish? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down. And it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. This is the word of God for the people of God. And we say together, Thanks be to God. There is nothing like after a long day, whether it's a long day in the office or a long day on the road or a long day chasing kids around the house or a long day studying or doing yard work or even hanging out with friends and watching football. There is nothing better, in my opinion, than crawling into bed after a nice long day and feeling those cool crisp sheets, you know what I'm talking about, hit your skin and you know that you're about to be able to relax and just drift off to sleep. For many of us, that might be one of our favorite parts of the day, especially if we consider whatever our wind down ritual is as a part of that moment, whatever it is we do to separate the day from the night and to prepare our minds and our bodies and our spirits for rest. 
Maybe you drink a cup of tea and read a book. Maybe you call a loved one or kind of recap your day with your spouse. Maybe you listen to music or watch a TV show or journal or pray. Or maybe when you put your kids to bed and you read a bedtime story and pray with them, it, it feels like your wind down time, even though you're trying to get them to wind down for bed. Whatever it is, if you're like me, you love sleep. And you know that you need sleep desperately because of that i think it's very interesting to look at what we are willing to give up sleep for i think a really decent indicator of what we love most are the things that we are willing to give up a good night's rest for Parents love their children, so they routinely give up sleep, right? To feed and comfort a fussy or hurting or hungry baby. When our friends or our partners, we're in the midst of a conversation with them and we're willing to stay up just a little bit later so that we can finish that talk. I, to me, that's a sign of love. When you yawn your way through the end of a riveting conversation with somebody that you love. Or when you get up extra early in the morning to take a friend to the airport. But we also give up sleep for other things, don't we? We give up sleep, we stay up later than we should when we scroll through our phones. I know I do that. It's like 45 minutes can't evaporate when I'm lying in bed doom scrolling, as me and Madison call it, through Instagram. Or when we decide to watch just one more episode of that TV show. I think what we're willing to give up sleep for shows us what we love, or at least it gives us a good indicator of what our priorities are in life, because we know that we need sleep. But I think also what we're willing to give up sleep for reveals what we trust. If you're like me, sometimes you lie awake at night worrying Worrying about your family or a friend or something that you saw on the news or your finances or a project at work or your health or someone else's health. After reflecting on that, I realized that, that most of the stuff in my life that keeps me awake at night, it, it is a choice. It's a choice for me to keep scrolling or keep watching or keep talking or keep working or, or whatever it is. But when it's anxiety or worry or stress or a lack of trust in God, suddenly it feels like my lack of ability to rest is completely out of my control. And those tend to be the nights that I toss and turn the most. I think more often than not, it's, it's the storms around us, right? It's, it's the chaos that can swirl around us in life that interrupt our ability to rest the most. And it's having an effect on us. I started to look up some, some statistics around sleep, just some studies that have been done, questions that adults in the U.S. have been asked about their sleep habits. And y'all, it is crazy how little we sleep in this country. 30% of adults average less than six hours of sleep every night. Do you know how, much, how many hours of sleep we need? We need nine hours of sleep. Do you know how much sleep we averaged as humans before the invention of the Edison bulb? 
11 hours of sleep every night. 30% of adults in this country average less than half of that. Does that not blow your mind a little bit? We are such an unrested people. And I think that is because of the storms that swirl around us in life. 7% of adults between the age of 25 and 35 admit to nodding off while driving in the last month. That is crazy. We are constantly giving up sleep, giving up what we love, but also what we know we need, refusing to rest. And I'm betting that if those folks are like me, those folks that aren't sleeping, those folks that are in those studies, it's the storms in their life that are having the biggest effect on their ability or their inability to rest. Another way to put it would be this. They have allowed the storms around them to become the storms within them. Or rather, we have allowed, right, the storms around us to become the storms within us. Maybe you, can, maybe you can relate to that. I know I can, which is why the question that I found myself asking this week as I'm thinking about wrapping up this series and that moment that we crawl into bed and those nights that I lie restless when I so desperately just want to sleep but I can't seem to get my mind to quiet down is how can we keep that from happening? How can we keep the storms around us from becoming the storms within us? And I didn't think there was a better place to go to try and answer that question than the moment that Jesus is asleep on a boat during a storm. Our scripture starts out with Jesus telling his disciples that they should go to the other side of the lake, right, to leave the crowd. He's been teaching and healing and preaching all day long, and he is exhausted, and he needs a break, and he needs some alone time. So he tells his closest friends that they should go over there because none of them are over there, and maybe he'll be able to finally get a break. Jesus needs to crawl into those cool sheets. We know the feeling. So they do. They jump on the boat and they start to make their way to the other side of the lake. And while they are on their way, depending on which translation of scripture you read, it either says a great windstorm blew up or a furious squall came upon them. But that word, however it is it gets translated in your Bible, another way that you can translate it is hurricane. This storm is no joke. This is a huge storm that they find themselves in the midst of. The waves were beating on the boat, so much so that it was taking on water. And I imagine it it was loud, not just because of the wind, but because of the disciples shouting and the waves tossing the boat around and water was splashing up over the edges and everybody all of a sudden was soaking wet. And it is in that moment that we learn that Jesus is asleep in the stern of the boat, laying his head on a cushion. And I think that detail is really important because what it tells me is that Jesus didn't just doze off. He isn't just hunched over a wooden seat asking for a crick in his neck when he wakes up. No, he grabbed a cushion and he curled up in the stern of the boat And he went 
to sleep. Jesus in this moment is literally sound asleep while there is a storm raging around him. And the disciples, they they wake him up. I imagine not very gently, and they ask him if he even cares whether or not they perish. Jesus, do you even care that we are clearly about to die here in the midst of this storm? And I think to cut the disciples just a little bit of slack, we have to keep in mind that they have seen Jesus heal a paralytic. They have seen Jesus cast out a demon up to this point. They've seen him cleanse a leper and tell some parables, but they have never seen him have any command over the elements. So they really don't have a whole lot of of a reason to believe that Jesus can calm the wind and make the storm go away. And when Jesus wakes up, he does three things. First, he gets up. And then he rebukes the wind and he rebukes the waves. He says, quiet, be still. And again, the Greek here is so good. What he tells the waves is to put a muzzle on it. That's what he tells them. He says, shh, be quiet, calm down. He hushes the wind and the waves. And sure enough, the wind dies down and a great calm falls over the sea. And then he does a third thing. He turns to the disciples and he asks them a question. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? First, he rebukes the wind and the waves, but then he rebukes the disciples. Why are you so afraid, he asked them. Notice what Jesus is saying here. He doesn't say, why are you afraid? I think he understands why they are afraid. I think anybody in that boat would have some element of fear in their bodies in this moment. This was a really bad storm, a vicious storm. The boat was taking on water. There was no end in sight. He knows why they are afraid. He understands how they could be afraid. Instead, he says to them, why are you so afraid? Why are you this afraid? And then he says, do you still have no faith? Again, notice what Jesus is saying here. He doesn't say, do you still not have a lot of faith? He says, do you still have no faith? It's like Jesus is saying here, come on, guys. I know you don't fully understand who I am. You've never seen me do anything like this before. I know you don't quite get yet that that everything bows to the sound of my voice. I get that you don't quite understand that yet. I know I haven't shown you that yet, but come on. Do you remember what I did to that demon and with that leper and with the paralytic and with the man with the withered hand? Could you not have just had a little faith? Do you still have no faith? Why are you completely losing your mind? And could you not have just believed in me just a little bit that maybe I could do something about this storm? The storm is gone, and the disciples are still afraid, is what Scripture tells us. 
and they ask a question that we have all asked before. Who is this guy? Who is this guy that even the wind and the waves obey him? I think the question that this story is begging us to ask ourselves is this. What are the storms around you? What are the storms around you? What storm has blindsided you? Where is it that you feel trapped in the midst of winds and waves? What are the metaphorical storms that you feel like you are stuck in right now? What are the storms that are keeping you up at night? What do you stare at the ceiling in bed and think about, right? What are the storms that you find yourself trapped in right now in life? Is it work? Is it family? Is it a friendship? Is it some sort of lie in your mind that you continue to believe? What are the storms in your life? What are the storms that are swirling around you? Whatever it is, is that storm becoming a storm within you? I think that is the whole point of this story for us this morning. Jesus can calm the storms around us. Sometimes he does, and sometimes he doesn't. You know that. But he will always calm the storms within us if we allow him to. Because of who Jesus is, the chaos that is raging around us whether it's in our family or in our school or in our nation or in our world, whatever it is, that storm doesn't have to become a storm within us. Sometimes Jesus does calm the storms around us, but other times that storm rages on. The question is, can we allow him to be the Lord of our life anyway? I think you know people like this. I know that I know people like this. You know people that even when it seems like the wheels are completely off in their life and they are clearly trapped in the midst of a storm, they seem to remain in this this state of calm, don't they? They seem to always have this inner peace, no matter what it is that is swirling around them. And the people that I know who are the best at this They are people who know who Jesus is, and they rest in the fact that he is the word made flesh, that he is the one who was with God from the very beginning, that they know that he is the one who commands creation, the one who with a single word can quiet a storm. They know that he directs where the wind goes. And because of that, no matter what it is that they are facing, they allow him and they invite him in to calm their heart, and to calm their mind, even when a storm is raging around them. Those are the people who don't let the storms around them become the storms within them. Maybe the next time that we are lying in bed after a long day, and we find ourselves staring at the ceiling, thinking of all of the storms that are around us. And we begin to feel that anxiety and that worry and that fear creep into our hearts. We begin to notice that whatever that storm is, it's slowly becoming a storm that's going to live within us. Maybe we can remember this story. 
Maybe we can remember Jesus asleep in the boat despite the wind and the waves. Maybe we can remember that he is the Lord of all creation, that he can do anything, that he is our Messiah, the one that we have put our hope in, the one that we trust is holding us and will never let us go. And that whether or not he calms the storm around us, he will always calm the storm within us. Maybe in that moment we can realize that the most faithful thing that we can do is close our eyes and trust that no matter what that storm is, Jesus is with us in the midst of it and allow ourselves to drift off to sleep. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey friends, I just wanted to take a moment and say thank you for tuning into our message this week in the gathering. We hope you found it meaningful and life-giving. As always, you're invited to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., either in person here in the chapel or online. If you want to know more about who we are at Bluff Park United Methodist Church, you're invited to check out our website. There you'll find out who we are, what we have going on, and how you can be a part of it. As always, friends, if there's anything that we can do for you, you're invited to reach out to us. We are here to help you and support you in any way that we can. We hope that you're having a great week, and we look forward to seeing you soon.